it's good to be with you to worship the Lord together this morning. We were looking forward to uh, meeting with you in person, uh, but uh, we'll have to suffice for second best. Um, I thought about as David was sharing about the the appearance outside. The snow is a is pretty much of an equalizer. I imagine my yard looks about as pretty as your yard does this morning, and uh, it uh, covers up some of the drab things of winter, and uh, brings a refreshment that at least I enjoy. I, I enjoy the snow. But anyhow, that's uh, a side note. Uh, it is good to uh, be together to worship the Lord again this morning. The title that I have and what I want to share this morning is comes from a statement that was made by a co-worker some years ago that uh, spurred my thinking and uh, and also gives us some some thoughts in, in relation to how we respond as Christians. The statement that was made was when I became a professional. As I thought about that, I, I, my mind went lots of different ways, and um, I thought, you know, when when does someone become a professional, or what makes someone a professional? Now, this would have been in relation to driving, uh, and this person was talking about when they got licensed to drive a commercial vehicle. And so in their mind, they were now a professional. Well, I'll relate a little more to that later, but here in the beginning, I want to look at some definitions of what it is to be a professional. Um, The one is that it is relating to or connected with a profession. And then some subs under that is that it's worthy of or appropriate to a professional person, someone who is competent or skillful or or assured. In relation to the Christian life, some definitions along that line, I believe these would be under the heading of an adjective, uh, one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Treating other people in a kingdom, in a kind or generous way. That would be a Christian perspective for this word professional. Another definition is it's an expert or somebody that's accomplished, somebody that's skillful, somebody that has mastered what they work at. From a Christian perspective, a person who has received Christian baptism and is a believer in Christ. Relating to or professing Christianity and its teaching. Be the opposite of being an amateur or incompetent or somebody that's inept. Be the opposite of being a professional. Another definition is someone who is engaged in a specific activity, 
as one's main paid occupation rather than as a pastime. From the Christian perspective, it's a person who believes in Jesus Christ, a person who exemplifies in his or her life the teachings of Christ, the one that exhibits a spirit proper to a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we'll be talking about things in the physical realm here for a little bit, but the focus really is on how we portray what we profess. That's the focus this morning. Another definition is a person engaged or qualified in a profession. You have lawyers, you have surveyors, and you could add others that are professionals because they have been qualified in that profession. When this coworker made the statement when I became a professional driver, I uh, I thought back over some things and I thought, you know, that person doesn't exemplify very much of being a professional. Uh, the way they drove, I wouldn't classify as professional even though they were licensed to do that. So what does it mean to be a professional? Um, you often you hear uh, it's important to behave professionally at work. Now, I've got to thinking this morning, of course, I'm not sure how many at Bethany uh, work in the printing industry, but I thought about seeing some people that print and know what the printed page is supposed to be like or look like. I've seen them look at, at things and say, well, that that's a, a fraction of an inch off center or something like that. And I couldn't see it, but they were um, that was part of what they were trained to look for. To most people, acting like a professional means working and behaving in such a way that others think of them as competent, reliable, and respectful. Professionals are a credit not only to themselves, but also to others, those that you work with. You, they are affected, their jobs are affected by the way you portray that profession. So what makes a good professional? The mastery of the knowledge, the expertise and skills that are used in a given profession or technical competence. It's absolutely essential for professionalism. To be a good professional, then a person needs to acquire both the technical expertise for that field as well as a good number of virtues in that field. A lot of times um, after you've been in a profession for a while and pretty much regardless, uh, pretty much doesn't matter what kind of profession it is, the tendency is to develop habits that are not very professional or aren't very safe or aren't very uh, conducive to that particular profession. We get comfortable in what we do and we cut corners. 
when you're driving, you tend to speed up. You know, you've seen drivers that uh, when they first start, they're very careful and very observant, and then you start relaxing and and um, cutting corners and that kind of thing. A lot of companies have scheduled safety meetings to keep their employees focused on specifics related to their profession. You're a farmer. You're taught the dangers of augers, of cornheads, of grain bins, of silos. Um, you know, I, I uh, get concerned when I see things or smell things coming out of a silo and you wonder how safe it is to go in there. Um, motors and, and, and the like. There are certain things that if you cut corners can endanger you. There's enough danger in that occupation anyhow. Most of you know that I've driven commercially for a good many years, but you know tires and poultry litter and trees and corn they don't care too much how you handle them. They don't care if you jerk around. People don't like to be jostled. When they're traveling, they want a smooth ride. You know, there there are a few exceptions. You know, I've, I've heard of people saying, oh, you know, speed up. Let's take these turns a little bit faster. Let's Let's get the feel of the road. Most people don't want that. But I've ridden with people that have driven for years. And I don't feel very safe riding with them. Professional, commercial, and or just uh, your everyday driver. I have seen professionals that are a blight to their profession. Good to be experienced. That's a good step or a one step in becoming a professional in the workplace is getting the experience, but experience by itself does not make one a professional. Some, in some professions, some occupations, shortcuts may be acceptable. They may even be safe uh, in certain professions. You know, in, in the computer realm today, there are shortcuts to certain tasks, and they're okay, they're, they're safe, they're good. It, it saves time to get that document back on your screen and that kind of thing. But we need to be sure that in our profession, we exemplify what that profession should look like. I want to uh, look just a little bit at 2 Peter chapter 3 here to, to get us started in some scriptures. Uh, 2 Peter 3, the first couple of verses say this, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were 
from the beginning of the creation. Where I'll stop reading there. Peter's telling us that we need to have our minds spurred, our minds stirred, stirred up. We need to have things put back in our remembrance, uh, in important truths which we've heard, but sometimes we forget. And I'm finding as I get older, I forget a whole lot easier. Um, this morning I was thinking about a song and I went to look for it and I couldn't remember what song I was thinking about again. So uh, still not sure I've come up with it. But we we hear things and then there's a danger of forgetting. And, and Peter's saying we need to have our minds stirred up again. Um, those things we're in danger of forgetting or the things that we're in danger of being turned away from by prevailing errors. Um, the apostles looked at them and at these these people that they were, were speaking to and they, they uh, could see that they wanted the truth. And yet they saw them as uh, liable or the possibility of them being led astray by the errors of others. And Peter says our minds need to have these truths brought back afresh to our remembrance, even though they're truths that we've heard before or are familiar. Another commentator on these verses says this, they're, they're pure our pure minds, they're pure when examined by the light or by sunlight. They're not adulterated by error. The mind, will, and affections in relation to the outer word, I'm sorry, the mind, will, and affection in relation to the outer world being turned to God, the son of the soul, that examining light, and not obscured by fleshly and selfish regards. Peter wanted to stir up our minds by way of remembrance, implying that the memories of the best Christians stand in need of refreshing and the affections of the holiest want a fresh exciting. The freest Christians sometimes want a spur. Now, I've seen that those that are the most sensitive to the word want to be spurred on. Those that need the spur oftentimes don't want it. We're slow to learn what we should do and more slow to learn to do what we have learned. I'm going to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 for a little bit. And Paul writing to Timothy says this, starting at verse 11. And this is right after he gives the warning about false teachers um, and the warnings of the dangers of, of pursuits that are only monetary. He says this, but you, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, 
patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Hold fast to those things that you profess. Demonstrate those things that you profess. Dropping down to verse 20, he says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to your trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. So the challenge is for us, as I see in these verses, that we live out in daily life what we profess. We profess something, let's live it out. Now I want to turn to Hebrews. Um, Chapter 4, Hebrews 4, starting at verse 11. Seems like I'm skipping over something here that I wanted. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints in Marah, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest which is, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Here the writer to Hebrews is challenging us to hold on to what we profess. Don't let it be taken away from us because God has reached down and given us um, what we need to live holy lives today. Now I want to go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Starting at verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to, in order to stir up love and good works. King James says in there to provoke one another to love and good works. This isn't a provoking that's okay. That's good. Uh, Usually we use the word provoking uh, in a negative uh, context, but here's where it's good to provoke one another. 
Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no long, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which we were he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which you, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated, for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which it has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure in him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition but of those who believe to the saving of the soul am i living out what I profess, or am I drawing back from what I profess? I'm not suggesting this morning that we become professional Christians, but I am saying that what we say and what we do, the way we act and the way we live, must validate what we profess. When I was getting ready to preach this message at my home congregation at Strasburg, I got to looking for a couple of song for a song, and I came across two versions or two songs with the same title with different words. One of them was written in 1917, and the title is, Can the World See Jesus in You? This first one was written by Lilia Morris in 1917, which would have been a little over 100 years ago. It goes like this. Do we live so close to the Lord today, passing to and fro on life's busy way, that the world in us can a likeness see to the man of Calvary? Do we love with love to him all? Do we love with love 
to his own akin, all his creatures lost in the mire of sin. Will we reach a hand, whatsoever it cost, to reclaim a sinner lost? As an open book, they our lives will read to our words and acts, giving daily heed. Will they be attracted or turn away from the man of Calvary? Can the world see Jesus in me? Can the world see Jesus in you? Does your love to him ring true and your life and service too? Can the world see Jesus in you? And then another, other words written to the same title were written by a Jeff Gibson. And this is the way that one goes. Are you walking in the footsteps of the one that you call Lord? Are you living each day by his holy word? Surrendered completely, are you his through and through? Can the world see Jesus? Can they see Jesus in you? If your neighbor has a burden, will you carry the load? Will you help some poor stranger as you travel life's road? Will you reach out to someone just to see what you can do? Can the world see my Jesus? Can they see Jesus in you? And the course to those words goes like this. Can the world see Jesus in you? Can they see his love in the things that you do? Are you living the life? Are you faithful and true? Can the world see Jesus? See Jesus in you? So the challenge I want to leave with myself and you today um, I just can't just saw another song here. I want to read just just a part of it before I close here. Um, the The chorus of the song that starts out, "Praise the Lord, I believed." The chorus says this: Can the world see Jesus when they look at your life? Are you faithful? in the spiritual strife, in word, in spirit, in faith, in charity? Can the world see Jesus when they look at me? Can they see Jesus when they look at you and me? So the challenge I want to leave with us today, we don't become what we profess just because we take the initial step of salvation. We become what we profess as we are faithful in that profession as we go through life. So the challenge I want to leave with us is to sit at Jesus' feet, feed on his word, and then live out what we've learned. And then we will be faithful to what we profess as the world looks on.